I'm getting ready for a very busy month. I'm playing this weekend in Hayward, Wisconsin at the Park Theater. I don't get up to Wisconsin very often, so it'd be great to see some of you guys come on out there. And then I'm going to fly to Sweden, where I'll play shows for about 12 days. Won't have a single night off that I know of. Really excited about getting back to Sweden. It's been a little while since I've been there. Been a couple years. And then I'm heading over to the Netherlands to play a few gigs. And it'd be great to be back at the Netherlands. I was just there a few months ago, but I'm looking forward to heading back. And then I head over to England. I'll play a few gigs. And then I'll even head up to Scotland and play in Glasgow. It's been a couple years since I've been there. But it'll be great to be back on the other side of the pond and to get to see some of you folks. Please come up and say hey to me. You know, if you listen to the show, tell me that. I love hearing that. But I'd love to see you out at the gig. And most importantly, bring a friend. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right off the bat that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Dean Metcalf. Dean is the producer of The Bob and Tom Show, and you can find out everything you need to know about Dean at bobandtom.com. Dean's an old dear friend of mine. He's a smart, talented, funny guy, and just really fun to be around. He's the kind of guy that you could sit around and talk about vintage guitars for three hours and not get bored. Or you could sit around and talk about bluegrass music. We all have that friend, or at least I hope we all have that friend. But Dean's a really good guy. Dean also played bass on one of my albums way back when. So on One Day Our Whispers, if you're wondering who's playing the upright bass on some of those songs, that's Dean. We even got to play a few gigs together here and there. Dean's been working as a producer on the Bob and Tom show for quite a while, and he's been on air also. But for those of you overseas who might not know what that is, it's a morning radio show that's syndicated all across the United States. So a huge, huge audience and a very funny show. They have a lot of celebrities on, a lot of rock stars. And Dean was telling me a story about John Mellencamp, and I thought it was pretty great, and asked him if he would tell that story for the show. And he was nice enough to do it. So we met up at a hotel room in Southport, Indiana. They're on Indianapolis's south side, an area that Dean and I know all too well. We set up a little bit late into the night, and Dean told this story. And I hope you enjoy this. It was great to see Dean again. This is Dean Metcalf. So, uh, as you might imagine, uh, working in radio, um, you meet a lot of people, a lot of uh, famous people who come through and do the show. 
And this goes back to 1991, and I would have been 25-ish, and, uh, and just really getting on full-time as the producer for The Bob and Tom Show. I'd been an intern, working part-time and all that. So that was the first year that I was actually there full-time. And record companies, especially back in those days, would spend a lot of money on promotion. And they would, you know, send people places, do little trips. They would, you know, do all kinds of stuff. Um, even, you know, the uh, even after they'd cracked down on all the illegal stuff they used to do back in the 60s and 70s. So even cracking down on payola, plugola. And, uh, and I remember hearing stories of guys, you know, getting these albums, you know, with a bunch of cocaine stuck in there in the mail. Just crazy stuff that would happen. But this is all legit stuff. So uh, in 1991, they're going to have a re- an album release party at Mellencamp's house, John Mellencamp's house down uh, kind of between Bloomington or between uh, yeah, Nashville, Indiana, and Columbus, Indiana, out in the middle of nowhere, Belmont, Indiana. So they the deal was they go, yeah, we'll we'll send a limo up to pick you up in Indianapolis, Bob, Tom. I got to go, and then our uh, our program director at the time, Marty Bender. So the four of us, you know, hop in this limo and you know take an hour drive down to to Mellencamp's house, and uh, and it was great. We get down there, and you know, it's just evening time by then, and we walk down, and there's this you know big tennis court area in the back where they had just you know put all the party stuff up there, and nothing fancy, but everybody's just hanging out like a, a cocktail party and just chatting and talking, and John's going around talking to different people and spending time, you know, great time for me. You know, I'm young and this is all new and it's all pretty overwhelming. So somehow it ends up, you know, we're going to be taken off uh, in a little bit, you know, it's getting late and Mellencamp comes by and for some reason it was just Bob Cavoyan of Bob and Tom and me stand there and Mellencamp goes, Oh, Hey, come on up, come on up to my studio. I want to, I want to show you something. And so I'm thinking, you know, oh, holy shit, we're going to go see Mellencamp's, you know, recording studio <laughs> or whatever. But we walk up up the driveway uh, up near his – so there's a garage, uh, and then across from that there's this other little building. Well, what he meant was his art studio. So this was at the time when he had really gotten into painting. You know, we, we go into his – and I can't remember how he described it, but I remember he was just so, you know, oh, my little studio or whatever. So I'm picturing, you know, like somebody's shed or whatever where they – and we walk into this place and, you know, it's huge. You know, it's the size of, you know, a small house. And, uh, and it's the stu- his art studio. So there's paint, paintings, easels, all this stuff sitting around. And I really had to take a leak. You know, I was like, I'm sorry, do you have a, do you have a bathroom here? And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, right back here. He points, but, you know, very casual. And he's like, hey, I'll go right back here. Yeah. So I walk down, you know, this little area and I see there's a door open the door and this bathroom in this little art studio of his is literally bigger than my apartment at the time. And is like, you know, marble floors, shower. I mean, all this, just this beautiful bathroom. And I'm, and that was, you know, again, this is, I'm young. This is one of my first experiences of going, wow, you know, this is how rich people live. This is neato. So I'm in there taking care of, you know, taking a leak. I come back out and, Bob and Mellencamp are still kind of looking at, you know, well, yeah, I do this, I do that. And he showed him some paintings and he goes, he goes here and he just reaches over and grabs this painting. That's probably, I don't know, four, I don't know, three feet by five feet, four feet. I don't know. It's a pretty big canvas. You know, this painting that's done and he 
flops it down on the table there and he opens up a jar of paint, grabs a paintbrush and standing in front of Bob and me, he just, you know, paints, you know, he signs it, Mellencamp, 91. He goes, here, he goes, I want you guys to have this. I want you to take it. You know, it's a gift. Take it back to the station. Take it back to the studio or whatever. He just gave it to you. Yeah. Here, <laughs> here's your paint. Thanks, John. You know, pretty cool and everything. And then just this hilarious scene of us packing up to go and literally walking out to the limo with this painting, kind of looking around the limo driver. Oh, here, it'll fit back here in the trunk. So we're throwing Mellencamp's painting in the trunk <laughs> to take it home. And it did. It just felt like, you know, going to the, the family get-together at Christmas. Or, what'd you get? I got a Mellencamp painting. What'd you get? And see, and I'm glad you bring this up because I was I was actually going to ask you because you, I, I know that you paint, you know a ton more. I don't know anything about art. So when I see his paintings, I can kind of see he's definitely got his own style. He's got his style and his thing. And I've... You've seen his stuff. I mean, like, what do you think as a as a painter, as a as an well, artist? I mean, I don't know that I should be any authority on anything. I know the most important thing is I like them, and mm-hmm. I think that's really the only thing anybody should be thinking about it. But if anybody out there might want to look at them, just Google them. They're all over the internet, and, yeah. and I enjoy it myself. And I think it's great that he has something he can do that's an outlet. And when I compare it to Max Beckman or the the German expressionists. Um, it's in the same way that you would say he's in the tradition of John Fogarty, you know, or Dylan. It right. Just, it doesn't really describe what he does. It just kind of gives you a ballpark of. Uh, right. Speaking of the painting itself, I should describe what it was because, um, yeah, and I think most art is like this. There can be a song or a painting or a movie or whatever where I just, if I look at it on the surface, don't know anything about it, and it's like, okay, that was okay, whatever. But then when you, you know, you find out more about it and suddenly it means something different to you. And so that's the way this painting was because I see it and it's like, okay, it's a painting, just a, kind of a plain, dark background and this kind of odd, frumpy looking guy in an ill-fitting blue suit um, with kind of, you know, rosy cheeks like he's either, uh, you know, uh, you can't tell, like, I don't know if he's embarrassed, if he's uh, drunk, if he's whatever, you know, but just these kind of rosy cheeks. And he's just got this kind of funny little look on his face. And he's wearing a, you know, like I say, like kind of a light blue suit. And he's got a red, white, and blue button, like a, a button on his coat, uh, a campaign button. And you really have to look closely, but you can see that it actually says Bush. So red, white, and blue campaign button saying Bush 1991. So this would have been, you know, in the middle of Bush's, uh, the senior, the elder Bush. So, you know, you see that and you're like, okay. And then you find out that the painting is called the Republican. So it's like, okay. So that kind of made it kind of funny to me somehow. Cause you know, you know, Mellencamp leans left and he's going, you know, so that's okay. That's his interpretation of this, what a Republican is, you know? So we get it back to the station, and it was it was just this really funny reaction from everybody because like everybody's kind of blown away by it, you know. Yeah, Mellencamp gave us one of his original paintings, you know, because it was a it was a pretty new thing that he had been uh, painting, and people were finding out about it, and he was actually having you know art exhibits, I guess, and uh, different exhibitions going on. 
So, you know, we get back and oh, wow, you know, and then we're like, where are we going to put it? How do we, what do we do? You know, and we literally just hang it on the wall, you know, along with some of the other radio station stuff. And it, to this day, it's been moved a couple of times just because the way the building has changed over the years, but it's still, it's just hanging on the wall with no explanation. What's next to it? An REO Speedwagon poster? Right. It might be. It might be a vintage, yeah, vintage Q95 kick-ass rock and roll thing. Like I can't remember where it's sitting right now. Disco Destroyer. Uh huh. Uh huh. But but it also, you know, it could be a um, a platinum record from the band Bush or whatever. You know, the the building is iHeart Media. You know, so we've got four radio stations. You know, now so there's stuff from all the different genres and styles on that stuff, but. So this thing is just on the wall, you know, with no explanation, which part of me just loves that. That like, if you don't know what the hell it is, you're walking by going, well, that's some weird art. That's not very rock and roll or, you know, or sports or, you know, rap or whatever. So, yeah, so that thing has been there, whatever it's been now, 25, 26 years. That's really all we knew about it was that it's this Mellencamp painting called The Republican that he had given us as a generous gift. So fast forward several years, um, and this would have been sometime probably in the mid-2000s. I'm going to guess 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Uh, I have a giant party every year, just a big bluegrass picking party, just all kinds of friends and family, literally a couple hundred people great party it's a blast it's a lot of fun a lot of good people a lot of great music so uh one year my brother asked me if he could invite a friend of his that he used to work with because she's a big bluegrass fan sure sure you know invite her so uh she and her husband and and they came to the party i think a few years but uh but they came and the first time i met him i'm, I'm talking to him mainly you know i kind of meet her because she's my friend my brother's friend and then she introduces me to her husband. You know, we get talking. And he could, I can tell he's just kind of a character and just kind of a, you know, smart ass, you know, goofball, but kind of mellow, laid back. And uh, at one point after we've been talking for a little bit, he kind of looks at me and he goes, uh, he goes, you know, uh, you know, that painting you got uh, at the radio station that Mellencamp gave you. And I was like, yeah. You know, that's me. And, you know, somebody says that and your first thought is bullshit, you know, <laughs> but he says it and, and uh, you know, I don't want to be rude. So I'm like, yeah. And I'm looking at him and I mean, suddenly it's crystal clear. That is you. <laughs> Holy God. So he starts to, he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, I grew up with Mellencamp. We're old friends. You know, we go way back, you know, oh, wow, that's wild, you know. And, and I think he even started to quiz me, you know, he, he, he goes, you know what it's called, you know, whatever. yeah, it's called the Republican, you know, and, and he goes, yeah, you know, and, the, you know, and I, I don't know that I ever really heard the story, but I assume that, that, uh, so this guy's name uh, was Mark Ripley and he and Mellencamp were buddies. And I, I assume that maybe Mark was right leaning as opposed to Mellencamp's left leaning. So. You know, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that. You know, and I was telling different people about it and got a kick out of it. This is back in the day when a couple of people could be right-leaning, left-leaning, and still be friends. Apparently, that was something that would go on back in the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not like today, Otis. It's Yeah, so um, 
you know, that I always thought was funny and, and kind of amazing. You know, it's like, wow, you know, I can't believe I met the guy that's in that painting, you know, who the funk. You know, sometime a few years later, I run into Mellencamp again, and I was telling him, I go, hey, I ran into this guy, I guess, a friend of yours. He says that he, the painting was based on him, you know, this guy, Mark Ripley. And I mean, Mellencamp, without batting an eye, you know, oh, that son of a, you ask him to tell you time about uh, he was so drunk. We tried to, we clipped him into the uh, seatbelt in a car, you know, to keep him in there so he couldn't get in any trouble or anything. And, and, uh, and he's wanting to get, get out of there so bad, he gets out his lighter and damn near sets himself on fire trying to burn the seatbelt off of him. <laughs> you know, he's just laughing, just going, you know, you could tell just like anybody would with their old buddies where they've got these stories about him. Uh, but he goes, yeah, he goes, that's, you know, that's who that was based on. So fast forward a few more years, and uh, uh, I ran into another mutual friend who also uh, kind of grew up in that area and stuff. And he goes, yeah, he goes, did you hear Mark passed away? And I was like, oh, no. And it was really sad because, you know, uh, he and his wife had been together for, for years and years and forever, I think. Um, so sadly, he, uh, he, he had some kind of heart condition. And I don't know the details, but as, as I recall, he was waiting for either a heart transplant or some kind of surgery. There was some kind of surgery. It wouldn't, I don't think it would have been a, a full transplant thing, but there was some kind of surgery that could have corrected the problem or at least, you know, made things a lot better, but he didn't have insurance. And so he had taken on this other job. I think he was working actually out at um, Verizon Deer Creek at the at the music center doing some, some stuff out there. Um, he was working somewhere to get insurance. So he had to be there for long enough to get the insurance package and all that kind of stuff. And in the meantime, uh, had, you know, the heart issue or whatever that took him out. So the, the next time I saw Mellencamp after that was just this earlier this year, 2017, he was on the show again back in, uh, I think, May. And I said, yeah, I was real sorry to hear that, you know, Mark passed away. And, and he said, uh, he goes, yeah. And, and he was the one that kind of talking about that, that aspect of it, that he was waiting on health insurance and all this stuff. And so when we, uh, when we got done with the show that day, with the, he was on the Bob and Tom show or morning radio. So we finished the show about 1030 or whatever. And, uh, and Tom and, Mellencamp and I are standing around talking about all this other, you know, just BS. And, and all of a sudden John says, Hey, he goes, uh, can we go back? I want to see my picture. I want to see my painting. You know, I was like, all right. Yeah. So a couple of us walk back there and, uh, and then some of the other office people, you know, like, oh, you know, and so they come around and they're kind of looking. And, uh, <laughs> and I think, I think that he had a Sharpie in his hand already, or maybe he asked his assistant, you know, to hand him a Sharpie. And he walks over to his painting and he just starts writing on it. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, he already signed it. Like, is he going to sign it again? Or what's he doing? And as I say, it's a dark background on the painting. So it's really hard to read. But he, he, he started, you know, at the top and starts writing this, you know, this big note saying, uh, this is Mark Ripley. He died from cigarettes, alcohol, and I'll have to look, a lack of insurance. I can't remember how he referred to just basically saying 
you know, these things that contributed to his death. And then he wrote, he was my best friend. You know, Mellencamp can be a, a pretty stoic, tough cookie, you know, uh, he's not going to show his cards and all that kind of stuff. But I really took it as a, a really sentimental, sweet, thoughtful, like kind of going and seeing his friend again and kind of as a tribute to him. You know, that it's like, you know, this isn't just this guy in his painting. This is Mark Ripley, a guy I really, really loved, and he's gone. Man, I appreciate you sharing stories. It's beautiful to see you again. Absolutely. I, I Yeah, I like being around even, especially when there's no microphones or anything. <laughs> especially if I'm not singing into one of those microphones. <laughs> no, that stuff's good. I like that part. <laughs> It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Dean for meeting up with me at that hotel room in Southport, Indiana. You can find out everything you need to know about Dean at bobandtom.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a T-shirt. You can download any record I've ever made. You can buy one of my photographic prints. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, Please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.